الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد خنقنا الإنسان ونعلم ما توسبس به نفسه ونحن أقرب إليه من حبل الوريد وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اجعل وساوس قلبي خشيتك وذكرك أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم موسس فتعلم الكرام برضو سنلز الله تبارك وتعالى هز created insan and Allah Ta'ala has made this insan the special creation of his which is above every other creation he is Ashraful Makhluqat the most noble of all the creations and having blessed him with all the faculties with all the abilities which no other creation has been blessed with Allah Ta'ala made this insan mukallaf, made him responsible. Responsibility is something that he cannot escape. This is part and parcel of his life. From his very, very childhood, the child is barely now growing out of that initial infancy, already responsibilities start coming. In India, there was one group one cult and their policy was that a person should be totally free he should live a free life he should not be restricted in any way he should do what he wants whatever his heart desires whatever crosses his mind he must not have any restriction whatsoever against him and part of the things of this cult was one of the things that was part of their tradition so to say was that they wouldn't shave any hair of their body like the Sikhs also do but their eyebrows they would shave it off this was their something that they had to do so in any case one such person came once to Shah Abdul Aziz and he said to him that how long are you going to live your life in this restriction life is meant to be free supposed to have the freedom to do what you want so you should become like me I'm totally free now this person is talking from a point of complete jahalat complete ignorance complete deviation so now every person is dealt with in a way that is appropriate for him just to make him understand make him open his mind it's not necessarily an academic argument so always not an academic argument that will be put forward. The purpose is to make a person understand something. So Shah Abdul Aziz first told him that your aspect of freedom is just a delusion, is just a dream, is just something in your mind. Otherwise there is no freedom. When a child grows up, he is now barely few years old, five years old, six years old, and he already has to start going to school. So now in the morning, he says he wants to be free, he doesn't want to wake up. Parents say, sorry, you have to wake up, you have to go. Then, in school, he wants to do many things. The teacher says, sorry, you sit here now, you don't run around. And he wants to shout on top of his voice, you don't shout now, you keep quiet. And one dozen and one, one hundred and one restrictions are there on him in that school. Now he comes home and complains to his father, to his parents who are this part of this freedom cult that I don't want to go to school, this is all, so many restrictions, he's sorry you'll have to go to school. And then as he grows up now, he has to go to high school. And then he has to be even under more restrictions, now he must come home and still do homework. And he doesn't go back with that homework, the next day he's in trouble. And he says, but this is, I'm supposed to be free, where does all this homework came from? He says, no, you'll have to do it. If you want to progress in life, then without accepting these restrictions on you, without making yourself responsible to fulfill these duties, you are not going to progress. 
So now in this, for this very futile things of dunya, for the very limited benefits of dunya, a person still has to undergo so many restrictions. A person still has to undergo so many response, take on so many responsibilities. Just for the very, very limited benefits of dunya. So when this limited benefits of dunya require a person to be under so many restrictions, require a person to take on so many responsibilities, then with the everlasting bounties of akhirat, of jannat, that would come for free, would that come without any effort, would that come without taking any responsibility? No, Allah Ta'ala wants to give us that bounties, give us those benefits of jannat, Allah Ta'ala wants to give us those everlasting ni'mads, but that comes by taking on the responsibility in dunya. By taking on those restrictions that Allah Ta'ala has placed upon us for our benefit. So a person who puts himself in these restrictions is not doing anybody else a favor. It's not doing Allah Ta'ala a favor. His ibadat is not doing Allah Ta'ala a favor. In a very lengthy hadith of At-Targheeb, At-Targheeb, this hadith is mentioned there and some other books of hadith as well, very detailed in At-Targheeb, that in the Bani Israel was a person who, he left everything, left his, whatever, he was living his life alone, so he left everything and went on to an island, somehow got onto an island completely isolated. And then he dedicated himself to ibadat. So Allah Ta'ala created this, he was sincere, he had turned to Allah Ta'ala, so Allah Ta'ala created this, uh, for him, that one pomegranate tree grew on there. And one small little spring of sweet water came out. And every day this tree would give one pomegranate. So he would eat this one pomegranate for the day and drink this water and that would nourish him sufficiently. And he continued making ibadat for 500 years on this island. Totally isolated from everybody. And Allah Ta'ala gave him this life in the previous Ummah's people had long lives, as Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam, over a thousand years. So that was something that was not uncommon at that time. For 500 years he made ibadat in this way. And when the time came for him to leave this dunya, so he made dua to Allah Ta'ala, that Ya Allah allow me to go into sajda, and while I'm in sajda, then take my ruh in that condition. And prevent the earth from affecting my body in any way after I pass away, so that I can remain in this posture of sajda till qiyamah. So in that hadith, Nabi Islam says that Allah Ta'ala granted this wish of his. And this place has been concealed from the eyes of man, no human will ever get there. So in any case, this person passed away in this manner. Then further Nabi Islam says, on the day of qiyamah, he will be resurrected also. And then he'll be brought in front of Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala will then say to the angels, that take him to Jannat out of my mercy and grace. So he will say, Bal bi ibadati. Ya Allah, not mercy is in his place, but I should be going to Jannat on the basis of my ibadat. 500 years of ibadat with utmost sincerity, because who is going to show off today on that island? There was nobody else to impress, nobody to impress there. It was him and Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, give me Jannat based on my ibadat. So Allah Ta'ala will say to the angels again, take him to Jannat due to my rahmat, due to my mercy. So he will again present the same situation that Ya Allah, 500 years ibadat, has all that just vanished. So when the third time the same thing will happen, Allah Ta'ala will say to the angels, okay, Let's take a stock of things. All the bounties and ni'mats we blessed him with, start balancing it off with the ibadat he's made. So the first thing that will be the benefits and the... whatever he benefited from the one bounty, which was the bounty of the ni'mat of the eye that Allah Ta'ala gave him. That will be now accounted for first. And what it will be found is, that this eye that Allah Ta'ala gave him, the 500 years of ibadat got just balanced off with this alone. Mm. 
The 500 years ibadat got balanced off just with the ni'mat of the eye that this took up that, finished, cancelled now. Then what about the ears? What about the tongue? What about the hands? What about the feet? What about the heart? What about all the limbs and organs Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with? That is still to be accounted for. Just the ni'mat of the eye in this particular hadith is mentioned, the eye will be now balanced off. And for how many years ibadat? 500 years. If somebody in this time and age lives to 100 years, that becomes a talking point. This person lived till 100. If somebody gets an 80 year life, say, mashallah, I got very good life. 80 years. So, where's 500 years ibadat? We can't even dream of that. We have a lifespan if somebody lives that long, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years. Out of that 50, 60, 70, 80 years, how much ibadat do we really make? And after that ibadat that we do really make, what is the quality of that ibadat? So how much have we really done that can be of worth presenting to Allah Ta'ala for in, in lieu of any favor? And then on top of that, one is now a person used his eyes only for Allah Ta'ala. He used his eyes only to do good. If those eyes were misused, those eyes were used to do everything that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. It was used to import all the filth and dirt into the heart. It was used to look at things which Allah Ta'ala has declared as complete rids, as filth. So then, then what's going to be left? So it is only Allah Ta'ala's rahmat, only His mercy, only His favor upon us that will take us ahead. So in any case, this dunya is something that is a place of responsibility. It is a place where a person will have to undertake responsibility and accept those restrictions that Allah Ta'ala has placed. That is not any favor to Allah Ta'ala. That is a favor to himself, to ourselves. We are benefiting no one but ourselves. And in this way we will get not only the bounties of akhirat, but those who accept the restrictions of Allah Ta'ala. They make the mujahada against their nafs, against shaitan, the traps of shaitan, the whispers of shaitan. Because this is a constant effort of shaitan to whisper into the heart of a person all kinds of things and take him away, deviate him, get him involved in various things. And this is the aspect that we meant to discuss, these aspects of the wasawis. The aspects of the whispers of shaitan that come into the heart. So this is something that sometimes gets many people very worried. That these thoughts come in my heart. And these thoughts are of two kinds also. One are those thoughts that Allah forbid attack a person's iman. So this is an effort of shaitan to just disturb a person. And brings all kinds of thoughts that tried to shake his faith. One sahabi came once to Rasulullah and he said to Nabi that sometimes such thoughts cross my mind that I feel it is rather better that I be burnt to coal than express it. In other words, if I had to be told you are rather express this or you'll get burnt, I'd rather get burnt than bring it to my tongue. I can't bring it to my tongue. So Nabi asked him, really? Is this how you feel? Then this is Zaka Sarihul Iman. This is Iman, the, the clear evidence of Iman. That you are feeling so disturbed about this thought, that is a thought that Shaitan is whispering. But the fact that you are feeling so disturbed about it, this is a sign of Iman entirely. So the question would come that why does this now happen to me? Well, this is Shaitan, the thief comes to a home where there is something inside. The thief doesn't come into an empty house. So a person who is already in kufr, he doesn't get wasawis of kufr. He doesn't get wasawis and whispers of doing things in terms of kufr and shirk. He's already there. So what is shaitan going to whisper that into his heart? That's already a looted home. But where there is some wealth, that is where the thief comes. So a person who has iman, this is where the thief of shaitan will come. And he will come and whisper all kinds of things. So, 
The simple thing in that is to totally just ignore it. Turn the heart away, turn the mind away. Nabi Salaam taught a very beautiful dua on such occasions. Allahumma ja'al wasawisa qalbi khashyataka wa zikrak. Ya Allah, the wasawis of my heart, all these thoughts that cross my heart, Ya Allah, you convert it into a means of your fear and remembrance. Now this thought came, so a person turned to Allah Ta'ala. He engaged his heart in dhikr. For half a minute, one minute, whether it was a thought of something pertaining to Iman, or some thought regarding some temptation to sin, some thought regarding committing some haram, whatever it might have been. So at that moment he turned his heart towards Allah Ta'ala. He made some zikr of it from the heart, he made some istighfar. He decided, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-alil azim. And he turned his heart to Allah Ta'ala, that waswasa became a means of him getting closer to Allah Ta'ala. Not that waswasa itself, but how he handled it. How he responded to it, that he didn't get caught in the trap. Instead of getting caught in the trap, he sidestepped it. And that became the means of him getting closer to Allah Ta'ala. So this is the dua Nabi Salaam taught, and which we should make, Allahumma ja'al wasawisa qalbi khashyataka wa zikrak. Ya Allah, make these thoughts in my mind a means of getting closer to you. So sometimes these are thoughts coming into a person's heart and mind pertaining to iman. Sometimes it will be thoughts pertaining to some sin. Sometimes it will be thoughts in a way that shaitan will try to create some kind of difficulty and problem for the person. Create some kind of dissension. It is mentioned in one hadith of Mishkat Sharif that shaitan, Iblis, now he is the head of it all, but he has numerous other underlings of his who also do all his handiwork. So once in a while he lays his throne onto the waters of the ocean. Iblis. And now he calls for all these little smaller shayateen to come and give a report back. What have they done? Come and give an, a report back of their work. So one shaitan comes and he gives his achievement that this person was had planned to wake up for Fajr Salah. I made sure he fell in such a deep sleep, I didn't allow him to wake up. So Iblis says fine, but not something so, such a, something to sing about, not such a great achievement. It's good, it's okay, not so, so serious. Somebody else, another shaitan will come, you see this person, I made him steal something. I put this waswasa in his mind and I started making him think about it and eventually I made him steal something. So, okay, very good, but nothing so special. This person, I made him get involved in some kind of fraud and deception and all these kinds of things. One after the other, everybody will come and give their report. And each time the Iblis will say that, fine, what you did is okay, but nothing too special. Eventually one fellow comes up and he says, I went and started putting doubts and whispers into the hearts of a couple who were very united, spouses who were very united. And I started creating these suspicions, I started creating these doubts, I started instigating one against the other, and I continued with this to the point where I finally broke them up, and eventually they got divorced, and now both those homes are the home is totally now all broken up and this, the families are now at loggerheads as he gives this whole report back in Mishkat Sharif, this hadith is there that Iblis wakes up, stands up and he comes forward and he embraces this chap person who brought back this report he embraces him and he says, you have done something what you have done is a real achievement what everybody else did is, by the way what you have done, this is something really worthwhile talking about. Now these are all the wasawis where it starts off from, from the whispers of shaitan. And unfortunately we just dive headlong into it. The aspect of anger, shaitan will stir that anger up. So that now in that anger a person will say things, he will do things. And then there will be a similar reaction created from the other end. Because this anger this is a fatal poison. 
And suppressing this anger is such a great thing that in the Quran Sharif also Allah speaks about this. That among the very salient qualities of the muttaqeen, that who are the muttaqeen? الذين ينفقون في السراء والضراء والكاظمين الغيظ والعافين عن الناس those who spend in ease in adversity who suppress their anger and who forgive people Hazrat Zulkifl he was a very pious person according to authentic reports he is that he was not a Nabi but he was a very pious person and he was in the time of Hazrat Al-Yasa alayhi salatu wasalam so, Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, Al-Yasa, he was his follower. And Al-Yasa, Ali Salatu Wasalam, became very old. So he decided to rather appoint his successor in his lifetime, so that he can then guide him also, and see to it that he has now taken on whatever the responsibilities are well enough. So he gathered everybody, and he said to them, look, I want to appoint a successor. But there must be three things in him. He must be able to do three things. If he can do these three things, then that's a person who is a candidate. The one was that every day he must fast. The second, every night he must spend the whole night in ibadat. Now we're talking about the whole day fasting, the whole night ibadat. Now these are the first and second things. What will be the third thing? Third thing must be something of the same, in the same line that we will think of. The third thing is, he mustn't get angry. Now to look at this aspect of anger in relation to these two things that have been mentioned. This person must have three qualities. Out of the three qualities, one he mentioned, fast daily. Now this was for that particular purpose that he was trying to identify a suitable candidate. It's not something that was compulsory or anything. He was looking for a suitable candidate to become the successor of the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. So he said number one, he must fast daily. And number two, stand the whole night in ibadat. And number three, he mustn't get angry. So in any case, nobody else stood up. Who's going to stand up for this? Zulkifl, that was not his own name, but this became his name. In any case, he stood up to say, look, I do this and I can do this, inshallah. Okay, very well, sit down. The next day he came and he gathered everybody and made the same announcement. Again, when he made the same announcement, again, only the same person stood up, nobody else. So eventually he made him the successor. And when he made him the successor, Shaitan said, I'm not going to leave him. I will provoke him to the point that he will get angry. So any case now the whole night he's in ibadat and then in the day now he has to undertake his responsibilities. So there was a short while in the afternoon after Zuhr that he would take a short nap. That was the only time that he would get to sleep a little. Now he barely went to sleep. Now the whole night he's awake. Barely went and put his head onto the pillow and now there's a knock on the door. So any case he went to attend to this call who's knocking. So there's one old man there. This was actually shaitan. And he says, well, I am so Muslim and so oppressed. This is being done to me and that is being done to me. And he deliberately went on dragging this so much that the resting time was all gone. In any case, he told him, look, you come to me this evening, I'll attend to your matter. Now that evening came, this person, no sign of him. Waiting for him, no sign of him. Where was he supposed to come? He didn't have any issue, obviously. So he finally, the next day again, when barely he just goes to sleep, Again, there's this knock on the door. He says, Lestre, I waited for you. He says, no, well, I got delayed or whatever, made some excuse. And again, he pulled the time. But by the second day, now this was really catching up with him. Two days no sleep. And this was only a short nap that he used to have. The third day, he put somebody on guard, duty. That you make sure nobody comes and disturbs at this short time. Because it's the only time I have to take a small rest. Shaitan is shaitan after all. He somehow came, he makes his way anywhere. He came and started knocking the door from the inside of the house. So this person woke up and the first thing he went to start, went and asked the person who was on duty as a guard that, what happened? You were supposed to make sure nobody knocks the door. 
He says, I'm standing here, nobody came. So then he checked again, he sees, well, this person is knocking from inside the house. <laughs> and that's when he realized this was shaitan. But at that stage, shaitan now gave up. He says, I have been trying to provoke you over these three days, despite you having had no sleep the whole night. I disturbed your sleep at only that moment. Now is the time to really become very enraged at this person on duty. How he allowed this not to take place. But you asked him also in such a calm manner, I've given up. That I can't provoke your anger in any way. Now he had taken kafalat. He had undertaken a responsibility so to say. That he will not get angry. He will stand up the whole night in ibadat. He will fast the whole day. He stood to this word. The responsibility he had taken, he fulfilled it. That became his title, Zul Kifl. But the point in the lesson in all this is, that of the three qualities for his successor, joining it up with these two aspects, whole night in ibadat, fasting every day, the third thing, don't get angry. That highlights what a tremendous quality this is, to be able to suppress one's anger. It's no achievement to be able to vent the anger. That anybody can do. Even a person who is afraid of who he's going to vent the anger on, he'll first run away a distance and from there he'll go vent it. So he gets a lead when he has to run. But he'll still vent it somewhere. So that's no achievement. If he can't do it that way, then he'll go do it via some text message. Because now he's at a safe distance away. So venting the anger is no kabal and no achievement. Suppressing that anger is the kabal and achievement. So this is the wasavis of shaitan. Shaitan will keep provoking something. And to try and create some dissension, create some mischief, create some problem between people, something or the other. This is shaitan's full time job. And just on the note that we have just discussed this hadith about shaitan creating dissension between spouses and whatever. There are so many things in this, but just one thing that all of my have written, that one of the most tried and tested prescriptions, tried and tested prescriptions for creating muhabbat between spouses, is that both must make sincere dua for each other in their own time. Now, our dua is something when, when there's a problem, now the person will be making dua. The problem must come right. That's all. The problem came right, he forgot to make dua also. No, whether there's a problem or whether there's no problem. When there's no problem, that's the time to make more dua so that the problem doesn't even come. But our situation is that when there's everything apparently fine, then we forget Allah Ta'ala. Then we don't need Allah Ta'ala. And now when the ship is rocking, like the mushrikeen, وَإِذَا غَشِيَهُمْ مَوْجٌ كَالظُّلَلْ دَعَوُ اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ Allah Ta'ala says these people are sailing in the ocean and now when this wave overcomes, comes over them like a cloud or something hanging over their heads and it's going to crash upon them, now they turn to Allah Ta'ala, they are mushrikeen, they got 101,000 idols, they forget all their idols at that time and they turn to Allah Ta'ala in sincerity, Ya Allah only you can save us. And no sooner Allah Ta'ala brings them to shore, they forget Allah Ta'ala. As soon as they come to shore, فَإِذَا هُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ They start off with the shirk again. Unfortunately, we also go through that same cycle. When we are on the crest of everything apparently fine, we forget Allah Ta'ala. And when suddenly something comes, haywire, now Ya Allah, you sort my problem out, I'll do everything. And then again back in that same cycle, again we forget Allah Ta'ala. So the point here was, that these wasawis, shaitan puts these whispers, to try and divert a person, to try and distract him, to try and get him involved in side issues, get him involved in things that will take him away from Allah Ta'ala. And the way to move closer to Allah Ta'ala is to firstly totally ignore this. Not to get caught up in these things. To actively engage the heart and mind towards Allah Ta'ala. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ إِذَا مَسَّهُمْ طَائِفٌ مِّنَ الشَّيْطَانِ تَذَكَّرُوا فَإِذَا هُمْ مُبْصِرُونَ that when these attacks of shaitan come, then those who are aspiring to get to Allah Ta'ala, then they turn to Allah Ta'ala. They don't just get washed away in that flood of shaitan's waswasas. They turn to Allah Ta'ala. And when they turn to Allah Ta'ala and remember Him, Allah Ta'ala opens a way for them. And these moments come as opportunities. 
Sometimes those waswasas come, there's a situation of some temptation. Person is really now under some pressure to now get into some haram. Maybe it's friends that are dragging him in some direction. And at that time, sometimes it is that moment when he just remains steadfast. That was the moment now of a special acceptance. And he latched onto that moment. Everything was now dragging him in a certain direction. Maybe he was in a situation where everything was just conducive for him to commit the haram. And outwardly shaitan put that deception in him to who's going to catch you here now? You're out of everybody's sight. You're in another part of the world. Who knows you here also? You can do what you want here and get away with it. But at that time he turns to Allah Ta'ala and he latches on to that moment. Allah knows best that sometimes there are moments of special acceptance. The hadith Nabi Salaam says, Inna lillahi ta'ala nafahatun fil ard fata'arradu laha that there are rays of mercy of Allah Ta'ala that come from time to time. Rays of mercy of Allah Ta'ala that come from time to time. You grab hold of it, فَتَعَرَّدُوا لَهَا Present yourself for it. You catch on to that ray of mercy at that particular moment, your work is done. Like that one incident of one person in Afghanistan in many centuries back, there was a severe drought. And as a result, things were very difficult. One family was in a very, very difficult situation, poverty, nothing to eat. And in that, the father of the house, the husband, father, he passed away also. Now this mother with her little children, and in this very difficult circumstances, so she was forced to leave her home, and for all the way from Afghanistan, somehow she made her way all the way to Samarkand. She came to Samarkand, left these children in the care of somebody in some masjid, and came to the house of the governor, or the court of the governor. And she came and presented her case that, look, this is where I've come from, all the way from Afghanistan, and due to this doubt, my husband has passed away. And then she said, and we are also, I'm also a descendant of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa I come from a family of Sayyids. So now she presented this, so please help us. So this governor, he asked her that where is your proof that you are a descendant of Rasulullah So she said to him, I have come all the way from Afghanistan. Who am I going to present here as proof? Who can I now bring up to show that, okay, the claim I'm making is correct? So he said to her, yeah, every other person comes and makes this claim. You can't prove it. Be on your way. Carry on. Now she is totally despondent, heartbroken. And she leaves. And somebody else who was they witnessed all this conversation. So he comes and tells her that, look, whatever happened, happened now. There's this fire worshipper who stays in this vicinity, who's a very generous person. It doesn't matter to him who he gives, what he gives to. So go in, ask him, he'll give you also. But he's a fire worshipper. So she came to him in this desperation. And she said the same thing with the same detail. That I'm a descendant of Rasulullah wasallam. But this is a fire worshipper. What does it matter to him from his perspective? But in any case, he really welcomed them, brought her children, made them stay in some space in the house, and really treated them, gave them very good treatment for that day, served them. In any case, that night, this governor, when he goes to sleep, he sees in a dream that Nabi Islam is standing in Jannat, outside a huge palace and very magnificent palace. So this governor asked Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in this dream, dreams, in the dream a person sees Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, man ra'ani fil manam faqad ra'ani, fa inna shaitana la yatamathalu bi. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, the person who sees me in a dream has really seen me. Shaitan cannot adopt my appearance. So in any case, he asked Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whose palace is this? So he says, this palace belongs to a mu'min. So he says, I am a mu'min also. He says, really, you're a mu'min, where's your proof? <laughs> so he now suddenly turns pale. So then Nabi Islam says to him, that my daughter came to you, you're asking her for proof? <laughs> and now you are coming to ask that whose palace is this? So he tried to now excuse himself, but now he's being reprimanded. In any case, in this, while this reprimand is taking place, his eyes open from this dream. So he's in the shock and profusely sweating, what has happened, what did I do? 
Now in that some way, he had already got some indication that where this family is, that they are in this uh, house of this fire worshipper, they have been accommodated there. So he wakes up and first thing in the morning, as soon as it's light, he rushes to the house of this fire worshipper. And he says, this family that has come, which is staying at your house, please hand them over to me, I want to take care of them. So this person says, this is a bounty Allah Ta'ala blessed me with, there is no way I will ever part with this family to you. So he says to him, but you are a fire worshipper, they are Muslims, I am a Muslim. So I will take care of them. He says, no, no, don't worry about that part now. Let me tell you the rest of it. So I have also, also already accepted the imam. And he says, while you were getting reprimanded outside that palace, I also saw the same dream. But at that time I was inside that palace. And I was being blessed and I was being given the bounties of Allah Ta'ala while you were being reprimanded outside. Now this was that moment where he latched onto it. This was a moment that he grabbed with both hands. Allah Ta'ala made his dunya and akhirat. Blessed him with iman and everything. Now that was that special moment. These special moments come in any form. They won't come just in one form. They might come in that form of where that temptation is dragging a person towards some haram. And at that moment he remains steadfast. That moment of acceptance might come at a time when a person's anger is provoked. But for the sake of Allah Ta'ala he will suppress it. That suppressing of that anger might just make his work done. It might be a moment when that waswasa of shaitan was now afflicting his heart and he turned his heart towards Allah Taala. That moment Allah knows best when it comes. But a person who tries to grab every moment, somewhere down the line he'll grab that special moment too. So this is the thing that we should not be complacent, not think that, well, everything will happen. No, Allah Ta'ala has placed us in dunya, given us the opportunities. Like we don't allow the opportunities of dunya to go past. There's an opportunity to make a profit out of something, you want to grab it. Person doesn't sit relaxed now, what is meant for me will come. When there's an opportunity, he wants to ask for it. And if he sees it slipping, he is going, chasing behind it. But dunya is dunya. Either he's going to be with us for a short while and leave us before we go, or one day we have to leave it and go. There is no way that he's going to remain with us forever. Abdul Malik bin Marwan, or some other one of the others of that time, he built a huge palace. And he said, anybody is allowed to come before he moved in and come and inspect this place. Come and inspect this place and any flaw that he finds in here, he must point it out, we'll sort it out and we'll reward him for pointing it out also. He was so proud over this, what he built. Huge thing. Everybody came and everybody is full of praise only. One simple bedouin came, he says he's got two major flaws. This place has got two major flaws. Says, what are the two major flaws? Nobody could find any flaw in it. You found two major flaws. He says, one is that this thing is not going to last forever. And the other is that you are not going to be able to stay in it forever also. It affected this king so much, he made the whole thing, he had just built it, he hadn't even stayed in it yet. He made the whole thing work and gave it a sadaqah. But the point here that we need to know is, and we need to think about is, that when it comes to opportunities of dunya, we don't leave anything to go. So the opportunities of deen, and opportunities of deen are not confined. That is also part of it, but it's not confined to the opportunity to recite Quran Sharif. That too we should make time for. Not confined to zikr, that too we should make time for in any case. It's not confined to nafil ibadat. Unfortunately, we don't even have these things in our life. Illa mashallah. Some little smattering of it. But together with these things, these opportunities come at the time of suppressing anger. These opportunities come at the time of being able to forgive somebody, overlook someone's fault, stay steadfast at the time of some temptation, don't get washed away with the waswasas of shaitan. We are not far away from the so-called silly season when people lose their intelligence and the whole environment becomes electrified with sin. Now this is a time now that we need to be already on our alert. That how are we going to conduct ourselves? Are we also going to be on the beaches and wherever else, in the midst of all the nudity, in the midst of all the fitna? So now this is a challenge. A person, everybody seems to be having a grand time. And he is, so to say, left out. But he's not left out. 
He is the one that's gaining. He is the one that is achieving a lot. Because he's doing what he's doing for Allah Ta'ala. So these are the things that we need to take deeply into our hearts, reflect upon, and bring this into our lives, that we become totally subservient to Allah Ta'ala. And our hearts be totally immersed in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. These wasabis of shaitan, etc. We don't get caught up in that. We ignore it. This is something that can't affect us. As long as we don't give any attention to it, it can't affect us. But we turn our hearts to Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala give all of us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alam. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا رب صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وسلم الله الله جل جلاله عم نواله 
know, progeny is for the effort of your Mubarak Deen with ikhlas and afiyat, ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, ya Allah. Save us from all the fitna and fasad, ya Allah. Allah grant us all the good qualities, ya Allah. Remove all the evil qualities from us, ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, ya Allah. Ya Allah, we are totally dependent on you, ya Allah. Ya Allah, we can do nothing, ya Allah. We have done nothing, ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, only with your help can anything happen, ya Allah. Ya Allah, you guide us, ya Allah. Ya Allah, you protect us, ya Allah. Ya Allah, don't leave us to ourselves with the blink of an eye, ya Allah. Allahumma la takilna ila anfusina tarfata ayn fa innaka in takilna ila anfusina takilna ila ba'fi wa zambi wa awrati wa khati'a ilahul alamin ya Allah you protect us and guide us ya Allah ilahul alamin ya Allah all those who are sick give them shifa'i kamila ajila mustamira daima Allah remove every trace of their illness ya Allah Allah all those who are in financial difficulties remove their difficulties with afiyat ya Allah ilahul alamin whatever problems hardships Ya Allah, people have, Ya Allah, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, grant beneficial rain, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, grant beneficial rain, Ya Allah. Allahumma sayyiban nafi'a. Allahumma sayyiban nafi'a. Allahumma sayyiban nafi'a. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah. Allah is due to our sins that, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, mercy, rains of mercy have stopped, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive the entire ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, and shower down your mercies, Ya Allah. Shower down your rains of rahmat. Ya Allah, Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, all those who have passed away, fill their qabrs with noor, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah, grant them jannatul firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, the time of our death, take us with the kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, Ya Allah, take us on iman kamil, Ya Allah, take us on tawbatan nasuh, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, save us from death in a condition of sin, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, save us from death in a place of sin, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, save us from ever entering places of sin, Ya Allah, Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, fill our qabrs with noor, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make our complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, give us jannatul firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all the good that Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi begged for. Ya Allah, we also begging for all that good, Ya Allah. Whatever Nabi Islam sought refuge from, Ya Allah, you give us protection as well, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all those who have raised their hands to this dua. Ya Allah, you don't know of the unseen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you know each person's heart, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's needs from the ghayb, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant sihat and afiyat to one and all, Ya Allah. Grant barakat in each one's rizq, Ya Allah. Grant halal and tayyib rizq, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from every drop and every grain of haram, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, you protect us and guide us, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri ma sta'adhaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balagh wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-aliyil azim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi wa ashabihi jma'in walhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi wa sallam